On today's episode of the Clinical Excellence Podcast, we have Dr. Brian Callender, who's going to talk to us about graphic medicine and the doctor-patient relationship. Patients don't understand a lot of what is said in one of those meetings. You know, they're high stress, things go by quickly. And so the idea was that in giving them this tool, this comic, that they can take it home and they could sort of digest it at their own pace. We are back with another episode of the Clinical Excellence Podcast, sponsored by the Buxbaum Institute. During this podcast, we discuss, dissect, and promote clinical excellence. We review research pertinent to clinical excellence. We invite experts to discuss topics that often challenge the physician-patient relationship, and we host conversations between patients and doctors. I'm Dr. Matthew Sorrentino, and today I'm joined by Dr. Brian Callender. Dr. Brian Callender is an associate professor of medicine in the section of hospital medicine. He's interested in clinical and global health education, the patient experience, and the use of graphic medicine and graphic narrative in medicine. Brian, welcome to the program. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Brian, when I think of graphic medicine, I'm reminded of the comic books I read and loved as a kid um, growing up. How has graphic medicine kind of evolved from what we think of as comic books, and and what does it look like today? So when I talk about comics and medicine, it is not uncommon for individuals to bring up traditional comic books as a starting point for this discussion, often because that is their frame of reference for the term comics. They hear the term comics and they think comic books, superhero, superhero sort of genre of, of, of comic books. Um, but let me take take a take a moment to sort of orient the listener to the terms graphic medicine and comics for those who may be unfamiliar. So a commonly used definition of graphic medicine is, quote, the intersection of the medium of comics and the discourse of health, end quote. So this is a broad definition but it captures the breadth of interdisciplinary activities that define graphic medicine. And this includes creative practices and reflections, so the actual creation of comics, the creation of graphic memoirs. It includes sort of patient education, public health education, uh, using the medium of comics, and also scholarly inquiry. You know, so looking at, you know, like what I do, sort of the doctor-patient relationship from a historical lens through the history of comics, which I'll I'll talk a little bit more about today. And it really embraces these both historical and contemporary contexts. So when you say historical, is this a brand new field or, because comics go back, I know, 50, 60, 100 years. um, Is this something brand new that graphics have come into medicine or is there a even longer history of it? The term graphic medicine is relatively new. Um, It was coined in, I believe, 2007 by a cartoonist and physician, Ian Williams, uh, who practices in the United Kingdom. And this, he was sort of struggling at the time, sort of thinking about his practice of medicine, how he practices medicine, and how to sort of express that. And he was expressing that through comics. And from that, a small community developed, and and now it's been sort of building ever since then to what sort of contemporary graphic medicine is today. That includes a website. It includes sort of sibling websites across the the world in in Japan, uh, a new one in Italy. There's one in Spain. Um, So there's sort of these groups around the world. So it's an international community 
that um, embraces this idea of how comics are used in medicine and what do they have to contribute to this discourse around medicine. And I'll just point something out is that even though the term medicine is sort of in the, in the sort of the title of the discipline, it's much more than just sort of the practice of medicine. It's thinking about health, it's thinking about illness, it's thinking about the patient experience, it's thinking about public health, it's thinking about climate change, it's thinking about a lot more than just sort of clinical practice or how we often just sort of think about the practice of medicine. Now, even though the sort of term itself, graphic medicine is relatively new, when you do look at sort of the history of comics, it is not surprising that medicine, health emerge within those comics. If you think about how important health is to individuals. Right, right, and yeah. so, you know, one of the things that I became really interested in as I, as I was exploring this sort of topic more, starting with contemporary works, but sort of then asking myself, well, if we look back further in the history of comics, what are those depictions of healthcare, of clinical interactions. And so um, when you do go back historically and you look at comics, old comics from the sort of mid 1800s where comics really started to emerge, um, both in sort of long form uh, narratives, but also very much so within satirical and political magazines, within sort of graphic journalism, that you, you start to see critiques of medicine. Um, you start to see uh, sort of narratives around health-seeking behaviors and, and, and what the sort of healthcare marketplace looks like as individuals are navigating that space. So I would assume those older comics, though, were, as you mentioned, more satirical or politically motivated and probably not putting medicine into a, a good picture. Uh, I assume that's shifting now towards something which is more patient-centered, more helpful. You bring up a, a really interesting point because as I sort of looked at this in its totality, sort of the history of comics with the history of sort of medicine layered on there and sort of what those depictions, that it tracks interestingly with that evolution of what medicine was doing and how comics sort of both sort of shaped attitudes around medicine, sure. but also yeah. reflected them. I think one of the interesting things about comics as a medium is that one of the sort of key aspects of it is, is how it's disseminated and, and how it's sort of widely disseminated um, as opposed to something like fine art. Um, that there are many, many copies of comics yeah. when, when we think yeah. about how it sort of disseminate, when you think about comic books, um, that, that it tends to be a very social medium in terms of how it's consumed and how, how it's disseminated. Um, and so in that way, it is very reflective of sort of social and cultural attitudes around healthcare. And so if you look at the sort of long sort of narrative of medical history sort of as told through the history of comics, you do start out in sort of the mid to early 1800s where the take on medicine is very satirical. You have caricatures of doctors um, that are very, um, they paint the picture of physicians in a very sort of uncomfortable light. Uh, the doctor-patient relationship is often very fraught with the intentions of the physician, either for having profiteering motives 
lustful motives or power motives. Um, and so it's, it's a very different picture of what the doctor-patient relationship is. And, and even though at the time it probably was an over-the-top depiction, it probably also mirrored what a lot of people felt the doctor-patient relationship was at that time. Um, so it's interesting looking through that history, it mirrors the history of medicine in a way, I suppose. Yes. And you know, with the, at the beginning of the 1800s, where there are not that many sort of therapeutics that were effective. Sure. And so there was a lot of doctor shopping. And, and this is sort of the era of what was sort of is termed bedside medicine, right? That the patron or the patient had a lot of power in doctor shopping. Um, and, and there were ways in which the doctor had to really sell what sort of therapies and what yep. sort of medications yep. they were pushing. You know, this was the era of patent medicines. And there was a lot of skepticism uh, around clinicians and around the sort of therapies that they were pushing. And so it's interesting to sort of see within some of the longer narratives that are around this time of what are those behaviors that had individuals seeking health care. Uh, who were they seeking it from and what remedies were they receiving? Yes. And so yeah. it, was, it wasn't uncommon to see water therapy, milk therapy, fresh air therapy. So it gives us insight a little bit to um, what were some of those common, common therapies and what time. was popular at that yeah. time and, and why individuals were, were seeking those. Um, but then as you moved later into the 1800s, as medicine became more scientific, uh, the practice of medicine became more professionalized, you start to see a change in how that's depicted in some of these magazines and, and, and journalism. Yeah. Um, that you start to see you know, the emergence of hospitals as institutions, medical education, sort of medical schools as institutions and laboratories um, being depicted. And so I think that's one of the strengths of comics. And just going back to sort of thinking about comics as a medium is that there's that pictorial angle to them, right? There's the textual angle and there's the pictorial angle. But the visuals allow us to sort of visit these spaces um, and see inside these different institutions yeah. that were that were part of this sort of new medicine, this new sort of scientific it, it's medicine. It's fascinating that it's kind of that uh, picture into how medicine has been over 150 years, and you can have it all splayed out in front of you and see what it's like. Uh, that's uh, it's probably a unique insight into what those practices were at that time. And even moving beyond the late 1800s yeah. into sort of the comics that you are talking about, sort of like the 1930s, 40s, 50s, the right. golden era or the golden age of comics overlaps with sort of the golden age of medicine. And you see reflected in those sort of medical genre of comic books is the sort of heroic clinician. So yeah. both yeah. the heroic doctor and the heroic nurse. Um, and, it, and it's often the heroic doctor who, through his sort of keen insight and intellect sure. um, and, and sort of procedural skills, is able to perform you know, life-saving surgeries in a cabin or on the roadside. Right. Um, and then you have these sort of heroic nurses who are in some ways heroic when they push back against the hierarchy, but they're often fraught with sort of love interests, either of patients <laughs> or of like the, the physicians that they, that they work with. So it's a really interesting to had, look. You had to get that audience in. <laughs> had, and, 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 you know, this was too, there was overlap with sort of romance, the right. romance genre of yeah. comics. Um, and so it's interesting to sort of see how that too developed, that as sort of comics, as sort of superhero sort of comics and heroic comics, that physicians, nurses, 
were portrayed in these comics and, and they had their own sort of genre of comics, yeah. but also how it reflected that golden age of medicine where there was a really strict hierarchy, sort of male dominated. And like you had your sort of the, the different roles that were very sort of prescriptive. Yep, yep. Well, let's move a little bit to the more modern era, to our, our day now. And I know that many illnesses are complex. They're hard to understand. It's difficult to teach patients about the complexity of both their illness and their treatments. How can graphic medicine help to, as a teaching tool, to teach patients about their illness? And can graphic medicine do this better than just having a, you know, bedside discussion with their physician? So the short answer is yes, um, and, and I'll go into, into why a little bit. But there is a long history of the use of comics for health education. There was a, a fairly recent scoping review uh, by Matthew No that's published online now that looked at the sort of long history of comics in health education. And they identified 167 articles going back to the late 1950s that address the use of comics in health education. And this was across a range of populations uh, and a, a range of sort of students from kindergarten through 12, through, uh, you know, medical students to graduates, undergraduates. And, you know, again, this is available online and, and, and not to take up too much time talking about it, but they sort of came away with, and they note towards the end that um, they quote, we find that there is more than sufficient evidence that comics are an appealing medium for presenting health information in educational settings and recommend that future studies focus on proving their ability to impact knowledge transfer, empathy development, and behavioral yeah. change. And so, you know, the question for me in terms of, well, why comics? What is it about comics that may work? And the, the way that I actually came to thinking about comics as, as sort of a medium to be used within healthcare was through a line of inquiry where I was really trying to better understand what the patient experience was. You know, what does it mean to be ill? What does it mean to be hospitalized? And, and through, you know, several years that included a lot of reading and teaching uh, about the philosophy of medicine, about embodiment, and sort of the phenomenology of illness or sort yeah. of the study, the philosophical study of the illness experience, that some concepts emerged that sort of led me towards comics as the medium. And the two of those are sort of lived spatiality, right? So thinking sure. about the spatial aspects of illness and then sort of lived temporality, thinking about the time aspects of illness. And in reading about sort of illness narratives or the illness experience, words alone didn't quite capture some of those aspects of sort of the lived experience of illness. And uh, through some serendipity, I ended up, well, well, comics is a medium that plays around with space and time and gives you the ability to expand time, compress time, think about space and think about the different levels or sort of scales of space, allowed one to sort of manipulate those to tell that story of what is happening. And so, and so in ways that, that, that you just can't do through words alone. And so the visual aspect and the way that you can play around with a comics page and a layout and the sort of the diagrams that can be embedded within yeah. a comic yeah. really allowed one, allowed me to better understand that experience. And so when I think about why that can be used in health education or patient education is that, you know, a patient doesn't sort of live their disease as we often talk about it in medicine. 
right? They live the experience of having right. that disease, right. yeah. which unfolds kind of as a story within the context of how they live their lives, the spaces they traverse, how time is affected by that. Yeah. And so in being able to tell that story and think about how can you tell that story from an ed educational perspective, I think it will engage, and, and there's data to sort of show that it is more engaging for patients and they understand the, you know, oftentimes like a therapeutic narrative. Yep. Yeah. better when they actually see how it unfolds and they can place themselves within that narrative. Well, I guess as humans, we really are much more visual creatures sometimes than just hearing. And that it opens up a, a whole nother sense, the visual sense, which clearly now with uh, the way we approach the world and how, how so much is visual, I can see that adding a whole new dimension. And and what I wonder also is, it, is it easier to remember if you see something visual, visually than just hearing it explained? Um, I think back to when I was in medical school and I was trying to study for an exam. You know, if I wrote something down and looked at it, I was able to memorize it better than if I just heard it in a lecture. I had to write it down. I had to see it. I had to see it in front of me. So do you, do you have a sense from, you know, using some of these, these graphic narratives that uh, retention is better, that people see the story and remember the story better by seeing it instead of just hearing it? Yeah, no, there's a number of studies out there that, that do show just, one, there's sort of the engagement level, right? That, that if I hand you a patient education material that has pictures tells a story, you're more likely to engage with that versus a patient education pamphlet that has a bunch of bullet points right. and some yeah. floating pictograms, yeah. right? Um, because you'll engage with it as, as a story um, and you may re relate to it better. Like you said, we're also very visual. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so that's one of the strengths of sort of using comics because there's that visual aspect, but then there also is that textual aspect. And so um, I'm not a neuroscientist, but from what I sort of layperson understand yeah. is that there's a sort of dual processing that happens between the textual and the visual that encodes it information differently um, in, in terms of how one may sort of recall that and, and, and rethink that. And, and some of us are just learn better visually. Yeah, um, and, and I certainly so, did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and so I'm, yeah. I'm one that does this too. And yeah. that's in part why I'm, you know, I've gravitated towards comics as well. Um, but I do think that going back, I mean, I could talk a little bit more about sort of, and use an example um, about, about why I think the use of comics in patient education is, is, has the potential to be really impactful if done well. Um, Dr. Dan Golden here at the University uh, of Chicago, who's a radiation oncologist, um, worked with a team from the Institute of Design at the Illinois Institute of Technology to create a uh, graphic narrative educational tool for radiation oncology for that like first visit and what to sort of expect. So to um, expect from the, the procedure the patient was getting then. From sort of yeah. what, what I call a sort of therapeutic narrative. Got it. Right. So yep. what is the sort of narrative of radiation oncology, yep. right? Yep. You've already been diagnosed with cancer. You show up to the radiation oncologist, um, and it tells that story of what to expect. And it breaks it the chronology down into several different phases. Um, and within those phases, it sort of recreates in, in visual form some of those spaces that an individual is going to navigate, right? The simulation room, the scanners, uh, the personnel that you're going to see in those clinical sure. spaces. Mm -hmm. You know, when you enter those spaces, 
they're somewhat known to you and they're less frightening or less anxiety provoking. But it tells the story all the way through the after treatment um, and it breaks it down into those phases. And so you're at that first visit, you see what that therapeutic narrative is going to look like. And you can get a sense of how that's going to unfold over time um, and in what spaces it will unfold in. But it also, I think, again, the visuals allow you to see some of the equipment. It allows you to see that that exists in these spa- clinical spaces. It allows you to see the personnel. Um, it allows you to see some of the procedures that might happen, right? Um, right? Like in, in the one that was produced, it showed in actual size what that sort of tattoo marking for yeah. alignment looks like. Yeah. So you can so, say, oh, I'm going to end up with that little mark. Yeah. Um, and so it does a really good job of sort of navigating those those, those spaces that are part of that therapeutic narrative. I think we forget as physicians, we're used to our spaces. You know, we work in these spaces all the time. I, I think about, you know, as a cardiologist, when I'm in the cath lab or in some of the different labs, I mean, I'm used to all that equipment. You know, it's it's what I see every day. But for a patient, it's really foreign. It's really different and, and must generate a lot of anxiety and fear. And so uh, I suspect that this can ease that, you know, that they can actually see it ahead of time. And so, oh, yeah, I saw that in the in the graphic medicine. That's exactly what it looked like. And that's what sort of emerging data actually shows. That So, you know, Dr. Golden and his team studied, you know, whether or not this has the potential to reduce anxiety, and that's what the sort of data show. Uh, additionally, there's, there's work out of Germany that looked at... Uh, uh, coronary angiography, so, so so doing a cardiac catheterization. Yep. Yep. And they created a comic of that procedure to help with the informed consent process. And, and that too, the data from that study show that it improves comprehension, it shows that it reduces anxiety, and that there's improved satisfaction about the procedure. And so that's some of the areas where I think the emerging use of graphic medicine is being seen is in sort of informed consent, because you want to reduce anxiety. You want to improve comprehension of the procedure that you're going through. But like you said, one of the things that they showed was where the insertion sites are, what the rooms look like, what some of the images may may, may look like. And so as a way of making, you know, the procedure less foreign um, or less, less, less unfamiliar, um, that, it allows people to sort of engage with what they're going to go through before they actually go through it and, and sort of place them within that process. I remember hearing someone tell me once that when a patient comes in for a consultation and gets a new diagnosis, like a new diagnosis of cancer or heart disease, uh, and they hear the explanation from their physician, they go home and remember only 10% of it. Usually it's that first word, you've got cancer, and don't hear anything else You know, after that, uh, that first uh, description of what's going on. Um, in, in your work in this area of graphic medicine, how do you think having a graphic tool can help with that um, remembering of what was discussed. They can maybe bring it home and look at it again and, and understand it. Do you think it uh, has the potential or is actually increasing a patient's awareness and knowledge and and uh, remembering what was said so that they're you know less um, concerned and fearful of it a day later when they say, I don't remember anything that I was told? No, there is sort of a, a classic image within graphic medicine that, that sort of depicts exactly what you said. It, it is a patient sitting across from 
a physician yeah. who's yeah. giving a cancer diagnosis. And within that word, spoken word bubble, is a bunch of li- scribble lines, cancer, and a bunch of scribble lines. And visually, sort of, it, it depicts exactly what you said, yeah. that they, they, they don't understand it. And that was actually sort of one of the premises b- b- behind this radiation oncology tool was that, just like you said, patients don't understand a lot of what is said in one of those meetings. Right. You know, they're high stress, things go by quickly. Um, and so the idea was that in giving them this sort of tool, this sort of comic, that they can take it home and they could sort of digest it at their own pace. Yep. And that is also sort of one of the sort of powers of comics as a medium is, you know, as opposed to sort of a video that sort of goes at its own pace. Um, a comic allows a reader to sort of immerse themselves and move along and engage with it at a pace that they're sort of more comfortable with or that works for them. But it also allows them to go back into the narrative, right? That, oh, wait, wait, I I got to a certain point, but let me go back and see on things. Um, But also similar to sort of how I mentioned sort of comics, how they're often disseminated uh, historically, I sort of look at this in the same way, that that they're given something. There's a physical thing that they can look at and that they can engage with um, and that they could bring back. And in terms of thinking about you know, giving a diagnosis, talking about a diagnosis. Um, one of the things that is interesting to me as I, I read a lot of graphic memoirs is it was not uncommon for an anatomical diagram to show up within right. that graphic yes. within that graphic memoir, yeah. but it was also a very personalized anatomical diagram. So it was this sort of sort of layering on of one sort of personal experience with the anatomical diagram, either sort of describing how they feel within that diagram or mapping emotions onto that that sure. diagram. Yeah. But again, coming back to sort of thinking about um, space within sort of the use of comics, I think about the body as a space in which disease plays out right. and in which we sort of practice medicine. And thinking too about the scales at which we practice medicine um, are often different than how a patient experiences their, their illness or that, that disease, right? That we talk about, you know, we toggle between the whole body, organ systems, isolate an organ. Oh, you know, we do imaging yep. and we do slices. Then we get, you get a biopsy and we are looking at the cellular level and we could even zoom in and look at the genome, the sort of the gene level. And then we might zoom completely back out and talk about therapies that are going to affect them systemically. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that can give patients whiplash a little bit, you know, like, so wait, yeah. where are we? And, and so- the, the, again, the visuals and the ability to sort of diagram space becomes important in educational comics. I think it becomes important in sort of graphic memoirs, and it becomes important in reflective exercise with patients. Um, but the nice thing about comics is that it allows you to sort of display those scales simultaneously. So you can sort of show all of what is happening on a single page um, and, and that too is sort of part of the, the, that sort of diagnostic narrative yeah. or the diagnostic yeah. process. And so in many ways, it can sort of collapse a lot of what we do. Into a simple visual. Into a simple visual, yeah. exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Now, I know you've been involved in um, teaching students and, and residents about uh, graphic medicine. Can you discuss a little bit about uh, your experiences with that? And, and uh, should this be really a part of our curriculum in medical schools? Sure. So I've I've had the the good fortune of being able to teach a number of different graphic medicine courses, uh, primarily at the undergraduate level with with a good friend and colleague of mine, M.K. Serwick, um, and and we taught several different ones. One that focused on sort of the life cycle. We taught one that focused on sort of 
comics as a form of knowledge formation. We've taught one that was on sort of death and dying. Um, and then we taught one more recently on sort of the history of medicine as told through the history yeah. of comics. Yeah. And these courses are primarily taught for undergrads with a lot of, lot of pre-meds. And I think, you know, some of the key takeaway points in teaching those courses, uh, the students really appreciate, end up appreciating comics as a medium to talk about these topics. Because uh, I, I think, and this is something I've run into in sort of talking about comics and, and medicine is, yeah. that, well, it's sort of a juvenile medium, right? That it has this um, reputation as being something that, that is not serious. And it's, they're often very surprised to see that comics are used to write about cancer, talk yeah. about cancer, yeah. talk about one's can- cancer experience or death and dying. And, and so, um, but they also say that it made it more engaging and I was able to engage with it more. Uh, also, you, all of our courses are not just sort of reading courses, but they're also creative courses. And so, yeah. and so yeah. you know, we very much believe that anybody can create a comic, right? You can write words and you can draw a stick figure. Yeah. If you can do that, you can make a comic and put them together. And so they also then end up appreciating how the textual components, how the visual components work together to tell a story um, and, and use that in reflective practice. And it's not uncommon for us to hear about students towards the end is like, oh, this is great. I'm going to use this more often. Yeah. It sort of re-sparked my artistic interest. And so I think just in terms of thinking about comics in the readings of them is what they can sort of offer offer um, individuals in terms of understanding the illness experience. But then I think there's very much that creative component that allows an individual to explore their their ex- experiences. Yeah. And so, so yeah. So tell me what you see are the next steps in this this world of graphic medicine. Where is it moving uh, going forward? Yeah, on a personal level, um, MK and I get to reteach the uh, death panels course, so the course on comics yeah. and and dying and death uh, later uh, in the spring quarter, and we're sort of really excited about that. Um, I think in terms of the field itself. Recently, the, this past summer was the annual graphic medicine conference that was held here on the on, on, the, on the University of Chicago campus, and it was the first time that the, sort of we were back in person right. uh, in, in in three years, and it was really exciting to see the interdisciplinary collaborations that were happening, the type of activities that the that practitioners within the field are engaging with in terms of patient education in terms of science communication in terms of broadening the field to include topics like clinical ethics public health climate change refugee health and also thinking about how comics historically have been subversive in sort of tackling different aspects of, of what was going on in society. Um, you know, going back to women's comic, underground comics and abortion comics in the 70s, tracking with sort of the feminist movement to comics being created in the 1980s around the HIV AIDS uh, pandemic, to thinking about how now comics are being used to address issues like social justice and health disparities uh, and access to reproductive health and, and abortion. And so really seeing, it's really exciting to see how comics are being used to tell these stories, 
to communicate about what's happening, um, but also for advocacy yes. and really sort of yep. thinking about how we can use the medium of comics uh, to do all of this work. And so it's really exciting to sort of see how expansive it is. And it's really exciting to sort of see how more and more into, you know, healthcare professionals are using comics within the practice of medicine and trying to study that more. I mean, one, one of the challenges really is sort of, you know, with a lot of sort of health humanities disciplines is-, is How do you study it? How do you study it yeah. and what the impact is? Yeah. And, and this sort of comes back to the previous question a little bit about whether or not it should be in sort of curricula. Right. And, you know, I would, of course, would say yes, sure. but <laughs> I also recognize that sort of it's, it's challenging because not everyone- will be or can be engaged by comics. You know, for some people it is reading, for some people it is movies. And so I think that's one of one of the, both the sort of benefits and drawbacks of the health humanities is that it's so broad and it can engage an individual across a, a number of different sort of genres or disciplines, but at the same time, it's not for everyone. But it's good to have alternatives, you exactly. know, because as you pointed out, not everybody learns the same way. Some people are more visual. Some can read and pick up the information. I think having these alternatives, uh, especially in a field like medicine, which is so complicated, it seems that this might be a way of making it understandable to everybody. Yeah. And, and, and that's what the sort of limited studies out there that work with trainees yeah. shows that, that you they do appreciate this as an outlet. Yes. Um, and it does improve various skills, uh, observational skills, communication skills, empathy. Um, but it also gives them an outlet to express sure. what that experience is. And, you know, one example is just uh, somebody who, a colleague up, up at the Medical College of Wisconsin who's looked at, you know, over, oh, I think 200 and something comics that were created by medical students and residents. Yeah. And the sort of main takeaway was feelings of being overwhelmed, frustrated, feeling inadequate, yep. Um, yep. and useless, I think yeah. was one of them. I mean, wow. so, and so it's, it's a way for, I, I think, you know, trainees to express what they're going through. But I think as, as individuals with sort of in, within academia is to help us understand what that what experience is through. and what they are going yeah. through. And, and yeah. it just as I think it's important that we read these memoirs, graphic memoirs, to understand what our patients are going through. Right, right. Well, Brian, this has been fantastic. Thanks so much for uh, joining us on the podcast today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Clinical Excellence Podcast. We are sponsored by the Buxbaum Institute for Clinical Excellence at the University of Chicago. Please feel free to reach out to us with your thoughts and ideas on the Buxbaum Institute Twitter page. The music for the Clinical Excellence podcast is courtesy of Dr. Malin Martinez.